that's trouble. <laughs> I wanted to say thank you for Greg for coming. And thank you very much, Morgan, for having me on. That was Morgan interviewing Ricky about Inside Out Theater. For more information on Inside Out Theater, you can go on to their website, InsideOutTheater.com. You have been listening to Accessible Airways on CGSW 90.9 FM. We hope you tune in for next month's episode. For the full version of this month's episode of Accessible Airwaves, please head to Spotify, iTunes, cgsw.com, or listen from your favorite podcast app. This is CJSW 90.9 FM in Calgary. Broadcasting on Treaty 7. This is Bumping Into Walls, a show about living with vision loss. The challenges, the successes, and the day-to-day walls we all bump into. Welcome to Bumping Into Walls. I'm Catherine McLeod coming to you from the securely sanitized studios of CGSW 90.9 FM in Calgary. And with me in studio is my co-host, Anthony Hodges. Hello, Anthony. Hi there. And we will be shortly going to the telephone for our interview with Tanya in Calgary. Hello, Tanya. This is Kathy from Bumping Into Walls. How are you today? Good, how are you? I'm fine. How did feeding time go? Ah, it went well. Okay. I guess that we should explain to our audience what it is you're feeding. Um, so I have six parrots that I look after. I have everything from budgies to a large cockatoo. Yes. And what is in between? Um, I have two budgies. Two cockatiels, a Quaker, and a cockatoo. Wow. And you also breed birds as well, I understand. I used to. Um, Unfortunately, I haven't been able to in about two years now. Oh, okay. So that hasn't been happening for a while. All right. I'm hoping eventually that I'll be able to get another pair. I miss it. I find that absolutely astounding. As someone who used to be able to see that you can actually breed little birds. The breeding is pretty easy. It's the hand feeding that most people are really amazed about. Really? Yeah. I find actually, yeah, that would be amazing as well. Now, um, how long have you been taking care of birds? I got my cockatoo... Around nine years ago, July, and she was my first bird. We did have family birds when I was really young, but I wasn't their main caregiver. Oh, okay. It basically snowballed after her. I found a really sweet little cockatiel that needed a home. And, of course, she needed a friend. And, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. And now we have and it's soon to be seven. Oh, wow. <laughs> what got you into getting involved with birds in the first place, uh, being the main caregiver and such? 
was after I lost my guide dog, and I noticed that when there was a pet around, I felt a lot better. I needed something to take care of, something to give me a reason to get up in the morning. But since I was living with my parents, I couldn't have a cat or a dog. So I thought I'd get a pet that was caged. It was actually my mom and dad that suggested a cockatiel. But when I went to the breeder to pick up the cockatiel, I fell in love with the cockatiel instead. Oh. Hey. Wow. That's quite a difference. I know. (laughs) So how does it work when you're going to feed a bird? Hand feeding? Yeah. Um, So I pull the babies from their parents when they're around two and a half to three weeks old. Um, And I feed them with syringes. So around this age, they're a bit bigger than a large marble, and they've got a pretty tiny beak. Um, But I use a really small syringe with a little plastic feeding tip, and I can feel the feeding tip with my finger on the side of the beak. And then I just control how much I put in with my finger on the plunger of the syringe. We should explain that Tanya is r- really like you have no vision at all right at the moment, do you? I have a little bit, but it's not very usable. So you're doing everything really by touch now. Okay. Touch and memory. Yes. And when you were actually breeding the birds, the eggs you told me were very, very tiny. Yes. I think you could fit probably a dozen in one hand. Wow, that's amazing. And I start handling the babies as soon as they're born. Wow. When they're so little, they're like little itty-bitty dinosaurs. They get used to you that way? Oh, yeah. By the time they're a week old, they'll cuddle into your hand. So what do you feed the birds? Um, So my regular birds, my adults, I feed pellets, which is healthy healthier than seeds, along with fresh fruits and vegetables. Okay. And I really am careful on what fruits and vegetables I feed so I get the right amount of vitamins in each serving that the birds need. Mm-hmm. The only birds that I do feed seed to is my budgies, and that's because they came to me when they were older. And I haven't managed to convert them to pellets yet. Most birds do prefer seed. It's equivalent to ice cream over a salad. Oh. Yeah. I'm down with that. (laughs) When you first started getting birds, uh, what kind of reactions did you get from breeders as far as when you were just learning? Did they give you any kind of feedback as to, yeah, you can do this, or I've never seen it done before? When I went to get Daisy... I was lucky enough to actually come across a breeder that had actually sold birds to the disabled before. So she basically talked me through everything and allayed my fears and helped me with my nervousness and all that. Mm -hmm. She was great. She was really encouraging. I ran into some issues with the main bird, uh, public I'd say when I would take Daisy to the bird clubs and that they were really amazed that I had a bird 
uh, let alone a large bird. Really? And sometimes they were reluctant to let me handle their birds, afraid that their bird would bite me or something like that. Oh, really? If a bird bites me, what's the difference between biting me or biting you or anyone else? Yeah, if it's going to bite, it's going to bite. Exactly. I mean, some breeds of birds especially bite more than others. Oh, yes. It depends on the species. It depends on the past of the bird. A lot of factors. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, I just find that strange. Um, maybe they thought you'd make more fuss than anyone else. I don't know. I guess people treat the disabled a little differently sometimes. They think that we're apt to raise more fuss than anyone else. I don't know. A lot of them did get over it, though, when they did see how well I did with Daisy and the couple of people that thought it was awesome that I wanted to handle their birds and had no problem with it. Mm-hmm. So I made a couple of friends at the club, friends that I still have contact with today. Well, that's good. And I was really new to birds, so I needed the people around to answer questions or guide me if I needed help. Now I give that information to people that are new. Yeah, the information. Yeah, right. No, that's really interesting. Now, I understand you have a cat in the house as well. How does it get along with the birds? He's actually my grandma's cat. And grandma lives in our walkout basement suite. So the cat actually isn't around the birds except for her two. Okay. And he doesn't even care about them. Oh, really? Yeah, he has no issue with them. Okay, I was I was picturing Tweety and Sylvester. And... Yeah. You have it right with the Sylvester because he looks exactly like him. But uh, oh, that's funny. In the case of Daisy, it would be more like Tweety eating Sylvester. <laughs> <laughs> what advice would you give to someone new who wants to get into uh, having a pet bird? Basically to do your research and think about your life. Birds aren't like having a cat or a dog or even any other animal. They're a lot of work. There's a lot of time involved, and they cost a lot more than other pets. If a bird is right for you and your family, then if you choose the right one, you'll be really, really happy. I talk about this all the time on my Facebook group because we get people asking this all the time. What bird is right for me, and how do I know that this bird is right for my family? Yeah, because I know people, like, they'll fall in love with a cockatoo, for instance, and think that it's great, and it isn't really, in most cases, especially if you have small children. Yes, if you have small children, if you live in a place where screaming would be a problem, if you can't afford $30 a week for toys, Sometimes more. Yeah. <laughs> He's crazy. Yeah. I usually try to break it down by price as well as time commitment for each species. A cockatoo is at the top end of the time commitment. Really? How much time do they need, do you think? I have Daisy out for six hours a day. And I spend a lot of time making her toys and 
cleaning the cage and all of that. Mm-hmm. What kind of toys does she need? She prefers large wood toys. Okay. She likes to chew up the wood. How do you yes. find a wood that is sturdy enough that she doesn't just make it into splinters? That's all she does with it. That's the purpose of it. Yeah, but I thought they might have a special kind of wood that works better for that particular type of bird. I usually buy from a place called Zumax, and I get large blocks of pine. She doesn't like harder woods, but if you put enough large blocks of pine on a toy, it might last a week. Really? Okay. <laughs> so she likes to peck at things and chew and... It's a bird thing. Yeah. They all do. Yeah. Their beak grows perpetually. So right. if they don't chew, their beak will grow too long and it'll have to be dealt with by a vet. Okay, that makes sense, actually, yeah. So I understand you're involved in a cat rescue. I'm a volunteer. Can you fill us in on what you're up to there? I started off as a feeder on the weekends, just basically giving everybody their food and water. But I developed such a rapport with some of the cats that they offered me a shift as a socializer. And socializer is really what I wanted to do anyway. So I was really happy. My favorite is working with the cats that aren't adoptable because they're afraid or aggressive or really, really shy. I work with them, and in some cases, eventually they become friendly enough that you would never know they were once a shy cat. It's so rewarding. When I was there yesterday, there's one room where most of the shy, scared cats are. Mm -hmm. And every time I go in there, I never can see any of the cats because they all hide. Right. But I do the same thing every time. I go in and I put some treats here and there. And then I stand for a while with a wand toy to see if anybody will come and play. Right. And yesterday, one of the really shy girls did. Oh, that's nice. We played for around a half an hour. I slid her several treats. It was a really good experience for her. Good. Because this, this is one of those shelters that is a no-kill shelter that everybody stays until they're, they find a home or they just stay, right? Exactly. That, that's a good thing. These cats, some of them are taken in off the street. Some of them are surrendered. Most are taken off the street. Okay. They will accept some surrenders, but there has to be a specific reason for the surrender. Okay. It's very rare that they accept a surrender. Okay, but most of them are off the street. Okay. Yeah. So when you first went there to become a volunteer, what was your experience? It was really, really good. The, the staff is wonderful and helps as much as they can. But they were really amazed at how little help I actually need. Good. I learned which room was which. 
and I learn all the names of the cats and what rooms they're in. And if I need to, I use my iPhone to zoom in on the camera and read the form that's on the wall. Okay. Which tells you the information about the cats. Okay. If I hold my phone really close and zoom really big, I can read it. Okay. Good use of technology. Yes. In the beginning, though, before I began volunteering, they were a little bit worried about my vision. Yes. Whether or not I would be safe or whether I'd need more help than they really could offer. Mm-hmm. But I wrote a really long, about four-page email to the volunteer coordinator. Okay. And she figured if I was really going to put that much effort in, effort in she'd give me a, tr- a chance. Yeah. Okay. Well, all I can do is give you a chance. Yeah. And you She's so happy in. she did. Yeah. Right <laughs> oh, that's good. So the cats love you anyway. So. Oh yes, and I love them. I look forward to it every week. And how often do these cats get adopted out? The ones that are friendlier usually get adopted fairly quickly. Well, that's good. There's quite a turnover. But the Shire cats, sometimes they're in for a year. Okay. And sometimes they just do. You told me that there there are a couple that sometimes do get returned back to the street. Yes. They have colonies in the community that look after the feral cats. Okay. And these are cats that aren't pets. These cats are too afraid of people to ever truly be a pet. So they spay them, they neuter them, and they return them back to their colony and their caregiver. Right. And they just make sure that they're healthy and... Yep. And they feed them and they give them a shelter in the winter and... Okay, make sure that they, they are healthy, but there isn't out. Otherwise, that's it. Yeah, that makes sense. And the caregivers are also responsible for keeping track on other cats that might come into the colony and having them trapped and brought in so that they can be evaluated to see if they're adoptable Sometimes they're given some time to see if they will come around. Well, I would think that when they're brand new, sometimes they are someone's pet that's just been dumped. So it probably is like when they're brand new, they might be fairly easy to to uh, change. But it's the old timers that would be hardest Well, sometimes it's amazing. Like this one cat, she was so shy and scared. She spent the first couple of weeks hiding up in the ceiling. Oh, goodness. Not even coming down. Yeah. And then when she started coming down, she scratched more than one of us. Right. And after a couple of months, when I went in... She put her paws up on my shoulder and let me pick her up and hold her. Aww. Wow. Yes, yeah, she just totally turned around. And then there was 
Pop-Tart, who was one of my favorites, he was a four-year-old that was brought in, and they thought he might have a chance to be rehabilitated and find a really good home. When I started in October, he was super shy and scared. The one day when I went in, he was laying on the condo, and I crept over slowly talking to him, and he let me pet him. After that, it became our thing. Every time I went in, I stopped and petted Pop-Tart for a while. He even started to enjoy it, started purring and kneading and everything. Really? It's a good sign when they do that. Yeah, and then he did get adopted. Right on. I was so happy, but I was also a little upset because I miss him. Oh, (laughs) yeah, but at least he's in a home. I really wanted to take him home. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. The trouble is you probably want to take more than one of them home. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But then there's always another one. Exactly. It's really rewarding work, isn't it? It is. And it's the same with my work with birds. When you take a rescue in that's so afraid and then just slowly over time they blossom and become what they were always meant to be. So do you get many rescue birds? We have several here. Of mine, only two of my six are birds that were from breeders. The other four are rescues. Really? Jimmy, my male cockatiel, came from an abusive home. Oh, no. We bought a cage, and he was included with the cage. Wow. They just threw him away. They didn't care. Oh, no. That's sad. can't believe people would do that. How do you rehabilitate an abused cockatiel? Just slowly give him time to adjust, slowly talk to him, and start feeding him treats. He really likes millet. It took years. Yeah. That's so sad. He's still afraid of hand. You have to approach really slowly. That's terrible. Yeah. The abuse with birds, it's just horrible. Birds are the most rehomed pet out there. Really? Yeah. I find that so hard to understand that people would do that. Do they turn them over to the um, the, uh, Humane Society, or what do they do? Sometimes they get turned over to the Humane Society or Rescue, but most often they just get sold. Really? They say a cockatoo like Daisy will have seven homes in its life. So if someone was going to go get a bird, what would you? how would you recommend them getting one? Where would be the best place to get one? It really depends. My conscience says you should adopt, not shop. But then I think that would be a bit hypocritical 
because I've bred and I've also bought birds from breeders. Mm-hmm. You know what you're getting if you get a bird from a breeder? But that being said, some of my nicest birds here are rescues. Yeah. But I also have never gotten a bird from an actual rescue. I get them off of Kijiji or something like that. I always say that I have to pay a ransom to get them out of their old home, but it's worth it. Yes. They feel like they got a new life, probably. Yes. Well, they got into a good home anyway. Well, like a few years ago, I got a 32-year-old Amazon. His owner had passed away, and her daughter didn't like the bird, even though the bird was willed to her. Right. So she sold him. Well, that makes sense. I mean, why not? Yep. When I picked him up, he was in a cage so small that I wouldn't put a budgie in it. Oh, no. And this is an Amazon. I guess they're quite large, yes. Yeah. He had one perch, no toys, nothing. And he was so overweight that he needed to lose over half his body weight. Oh, no. What was he eating that he got overweight? Bacon, toast, eggs, basically everything you can think of that you shouldn't feed an animal. Right. Any animal, yeah. Yeah, and especially not a bird. Oh, so he'd been fed that for years, obviously. Oh, yeah. The damage to his liver and all of that from the fatty foods he'd been eating was too much. That's terrible because those birds can live for many years. Yep. He was only with us for four months. Oh, no. Yep. 32 years of neglect, no exercise, horrible diet. It just was too much. That's terrible. But he made a little place for himself and this family, and he's half the reason I do what I do. So if you're going to get a bird of any kind, you really need to research what they eat, what they need, what size cage they need. Absolutely. What your family wants, definitely, yeah. This is what I always told the people that bought my babies. When they would complain about my price, I told them that a bird will cost you the same amount as it costs to buy the bird to outfit the bird. Yeah. With cage, toys, perches, all of that stuff. Right. So it's going to be expensive, right? Yeah. And in some cases with birds like budgies, well, you know, buying a budgie is something like $20, and that will cost you closer to 150 to outfit. Right. Okay, because you need the cage. You need the all the little stuff that goes inside the cage, and then you need all the feeding. And Yep. I, I know that uh, I took care of two lovebirds, I guess it was, and that was enough work for for two weeks. I I would never volunteer to do that again. They were really <laughs> fussy and really cranky. Uh, and I, would, I did that for a friend while she was on vacation. And 
and uh, I didn't think it was much fun at all, actually. I, I, I don't <laughs> you think... You have to be a specific kind of person. They probably weren't tame. Probably not. I don't know. I, I know that the daughter used to play with them a lot, apparently, but... Uh, oh. I don't. I don't know. I didn't think they were that friendly. They were cranky, and they, but maybe because they weren't home. I don't know. Like I said, I I don't think I'm a bird person. I'm a dog. I'm a dog person. I like all animals. I know you do. You we we, yeah. we talked about this. You you have a lot of lot of love for a lot of animals. I I think you would have a zoo if you could, from the sound of it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we'll have to talk about some of your other animals sometime. But, um, no, uh, I just find it amazing that you do all the things that you do. But Thank you. I, I really love the, the cat shelter thing, but, um, and I think they do amazing work. I, I did tell you about a friend of mine that lives outside the city that they captured a lot of the feral cats around outside of Calgary and in their area and did the spay and neuter thing and, and uh, tried to find homes for them. Uh, well, they brought them to a shelter to f- try and find homes for them. So that was a good project as well, sort of along the lines of, of what you do. And yeah. It was, it's a good project because you don't, certainly don't want to just to get rid of them. But, uh, no, I, I just think it's amazing all the things you do, and you are certainly doing a lot of good work in the world. But the birds alone just amaze me, just picking them up, all those little teeny tiny ones when you are. And I, I hope you do get back to breeding again since you enjoy it so much. I'm hoping to, but this time I want to do larger birds. Yeah, but as you say, it takes two 